0: Assalamu Alaikum wa wa barakatuh. My dear friends, uh, dear listeners, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Uh, welcome to the 23rd uh, session uh, of uh, this series on the sciences of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it. And uh, we start off with some reading of the Quran, insha'Allah. ولله ملك السماوات والأرض ويوم تقوم الساعة يومئذ يخسر المبطلون وترى كل أمة جاثيه كل أمة تدعى إلى كتابها اليوم تجزون ما كنتم تعملون هذا كتابنا ينطق عليكم بالحق إِنَّا كُنَّا نَسْتَنْسِخُ مَا كُنتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ Sadaqallahul Azim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد so we had started we are in the midst of the discussion on the miracle nature of the Quran and how the Quran is a miracle this is a question that we are trying to answer so we gave some preliminary uh, remarks about that yesterday today we carry on with that discussion and we discussed yesterday how the Quran is a miracle in as small as three verses uh, like inna kal alkaauthar or a large verse which would be equivalent to the length of that surah. That's what is the inimitable nature that nobody has been able to um, produce anything like that so far, and they never will, as Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said, and fourteen hundred years has shown us that to be the case so far. And the Quran says, "Bring as many people as you want, take assistance from as many people as you want. You will never be able to do it. So now you should just submit and believe." So. Uh, in that regard, um, it carries on our discussion and if, if the Qur'an is it, uh, a miracle and unchallengeable in terms of its com- composition and the way it's worded and so on in as little as three of its verses. Now, you know, as I said, if it's got a large verse, uh, a large verse that can incorporate three small verses in it, then that large one verse is also inimitable. And some verses like the verse right uh, uh, regarding how debts need to be uh, dealt with in Islam. <speaking> in but <Hebrew> in that one is a very, very long verse, and that could incorporate so many three, three verses, short verses, in there, so many. Uh, versus the size of Inna al-Tayna kal Kauthar fasyalli li-Rabbika wa-nhar Inna Shayni akhwal Abtar, you can incorporate so many of them in there because it's nearly, you know, one and a half to two pages long in some version, you know, in some uh, copies of the Quran. So if we if, if we ignore all of that and we just take just the number of verses in the Quran and say that there's over 6000 verses in the Quran right the exact number there's a difference of opinion about that it's not 666 as they generally mention I mean there's another number but let's just say there's over 6000 verses for sure then you are to divide that by 3 and clusters of 3 verses whether large or small then you can imagine that all of those are miracles all of those are challenging people that look produce anything like us. So every single cluster of three verses. And as I said, it's going to be more than that, right? It's going to be more than that um, because as I said, some verses are much longer than in full Surah anyway. So you can imagine now how many mujizas there are, that how many miracles there are in the Quran, how many challenges there are in that. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but that's a very, very interesting point. Now there's not just that there's many other ways that the Quran is a miracle as well so let's uh, look at some other th- there's uh, what we're going to look at is what other things that the Quran include in this regard because the Quran is one of is the biggest mu'jizah and miracle of the prophet and it's a timeless one so what are the very specific characteristics of the Quran that are helping to make it a miracle and uh, make it a miracle so number one the quran is a miracle and it's a challenge and inimitable not just for a few people or just for a you know for one person or a few people but it's for everybody in this world who is supposed to be believing which means every single human being and every single jinn right and that means every single human being and jinn that will ever come into existence the Quran remains the Quran must be a miracle for all of them so it's not a temporary book for a very specific or very short amount of time it has to remain then for as long as humans will continue to be here and how long the jinn uh, the jinn community lives on the you know in the world on earth so humans have been around since a long time but since Qur'an came down, which was in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, it's been over 1400 years since then now, I don't know how many more years and centuries the world will continue for, but the Qur'an needs to remain for that. Now, if it needs to remain for that, it better remain preserved and unchanged. And SubhanAllah, it actually so far, it's been 1400 years, uh, uh, over 1400 and so years, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, I'm going to protect it. So far he's protected it. And you're going to expect the same thing to carry on because the people that the Qur'an is a miracle for, the Qur'an has to be alive for them. And that's why the Qur'an can't change. Otherwise, it'll cease to be a miracle if it starts getting changed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preserved it until now. So I dealt with with a university. I was at a university and I gave a talk and then I had to go to another program, one of the university students when they're muslim guys born up in a muslim uh, muslim family everything and he said i've got some questions so this was the question he had he said that um i believe that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is a, definitely a good person i've read so much about him nobody can deny that historical accounts and so on but my question is that the quran that he brought okay why it's a great book whatever nobody's been able to challenge it for 1400 years but my doubt is that what about if somebody comes up later who's going to challenge it for over 1400 years sorry after 1400 years like later on in the future so I said like how do you answer that question so some people say well for 1400 years or whatever I mean I think I may have uh, included that before and talked to you about that before but eventually what I said to him is that look so far nobody's been able to do so so why don't you just believe until now why don't you solidify your belief skepticism and questions like that can appear about anything and everything what about if the world doesn't continue tomorrow right now we'll see you know if somebody produced something in the future we'll see that was just my answer to him just to kind of tell him where we're going with this that it's just skepticism at the end of the day right but the main point here is that because the quran is a message to all of these people that are human and jinn and that race continues and the humans continue the quran has to remain perfect uh, until the last human as well and then that will be the day of judgment number two this is really interesting ibn khaldun mentions this that many other miracles right that were as I explained, the miracle at the end of the day is generally something that goes against the norm, right? It's just non-customary, extraordinary, right? So that was like the water coming out the fingers and all the other examples that I provided, splitting the moon and so on. But the Qur'an is different. You see, a miracle, as I defined at the beginning, was an extraordinary event that comes in association with a claim to back the claim up that somebody's a prophet. That's the idea of a miracle with the prophets, okay? Now the Quran is something which is the revelation so generally a prophet is a prophet because he re- receives revelation from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and he's showing the extraordinary event to back his claim up that he is receiving revelation on this occasion in this particular miracle the revelation is the miracle The revelation is this extraordinary thing. So it's not an outside event, but in itself, it's so extraordinary. It is the revelation itself. It's not separate to it. This is two combined in one. It's the call and it is the miracle in itself. And it's the proof in itself. So Al-Quran huwa bi-nafsihi al right? Al-mudda'i. It's the revelation which is also making the claim. It is also the miracle itself. It is Al-Khariq Al-Mu'jiz and the Mudda'i al wahi So the proof of it is in itself. So it's intrinsically a proof of the call that it is making. Because the Quran is the one that claims that the Prophet Muhammad is the Prophet and you must believe and Allah is one and so on and so forth. And that in itself is the proof as well. You don't need a separate proof. That's why there's a famous hadith that, uh, some a hadith that really I enjoy a lot when I read it. It's in Bukhari and it's in Sahih Muslim as well. The Prophet ﷺ said, "ما من من الأنبياء إلا قد من الآيات ما مثله آمن عليه There was no prophet except every prophet. Basically, every prophet was provided a sign, ayat, a sign, a miracle, right? Upon which something similar to which, right? Um, the humans would bring faith so that would be enough to convince them right that this guy is a prophet that this person is a prophet however he says so the sign that i was given he's saying the miracle that i was given is the revelation that allah has revealed to me so the miracle is the revelation in this case then he says and based on this I am hoping that I, ha- I have the largest following on the Day of Judgment. So why does he talk about, having, talk about having the largest following on the Day of Judgment when he speaks about the Quran as a miracle, as his miracle as such, his main miracle? It shows you that the Quran, the reason he's using the Quran to express that point of hope is that the Quran has built in enough to beautify the hearts and inspire enough people for generation after generation after generation until the day of judgment that he's going to have more followers than the other than the other prophets than the other prophets now you have to remember that while muslims they say the official number is 1.6 1.7 billion and christians maybe two billion but to be honest the two billion while we have also have some muslims in name and you know it's just a number but there are far more if you take any group of muslims anywhere in the world compared to a group of christians the muslims will be disproportionately more practicing than the Christians right? and just much more unified in their beliefs about their religion not in secular, many Christians are very secular in all their attitude and everything they might just go to church and whatever you get some Muslims like that but they are a minority most Muslims will have some concern for their prayer Right? Even if they don't pray, they have some concerns for it and they believe and they say salam, and you know, they, they can tell they are a Muslim wherever you go, regardless of their culture. So this is the Qur'an that is helping them to do that. Number three, the other thing to discover about the Qur'an right, is that generally when it came to other miracles of Prophets, including the Prophet Muhammad the extraordinary events, They were generally more physical in nature. They were an event. They were an extraordinary phenomenon that took place. It was an activity of some sort, right? Like water, the tree moving, uh, stones saying Salam or taking clots of clay and making that into a bird. They were very physical, tangible things. Whereas when it comes to the Quran, another way the Quran is the miracle is because the Quran in itself Right? How is it going against the norm? It's going against the norm in the sense that the Qur'an is not a miracle like the other miracles because it goes against the norm in something, Right? necessarily. It is a miracle in that sense as well. But it is a greater miracle in the sense that It is something so great and unusual, but it is something that just talks about reality. So anybody who ponders the Quran is going to find that the Quran speaks to them directly about realities that they would never have thought about wisdoms and and ideas, just absolute natural ideas in the way it speaks to them, a very natural style. So the Quran is a miracle different to the other miracles. Other miracles went against the norm. Like for example, Musa salam's staff becoming a snake—that's just abnormal. People were mesmerized, and you know, in that sense. But here, the people are amazed by the Quran for centuries and centuries, based on the natural uh, message of the Quran that really, really resonates with the heart. So the- the jazz and the miracle nature of the quran can also be viewed in that way about just its natural approach to things makes it so welcoming as long as you start reading it objectively even there's people who start reading it um, in a way to actually find mistakes or find problems like the the dutch politician who did that and then he became a muslim he's even published a uh, a book about it and I forget what it's called, Right? It's, uh, he started looking into the Quran as have so many other people to try to find problems with it and he was just bowled over. Right? Allah had written guidance for him and he, he became Muslim as well. So the Quran as opposed to other miracles is actually so much in conformance to their nature as a breath of fresh air that they're actually looking for something hidden about, about the, the way the world is supposed to be and about the way human function is supposed to be. That's a very very interesting point. And that's why um, when they started asking for other types of miracles to the Prophet ﷺ, this is what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said in the Quran in Suratul ankabut verses 50 and 51. This is what Allah said to them. They say that why are... Signs not being revealed to him from his Lord. Why doesn't he get all of these other miracles? I mean, he had enough miracles already, but they wanted to see more. So, like, why aren't other miracles coming to him? Remember, whenever you hear in the Quran, many, many times it's actually an address to the Prophet, say "Say this because this is the this is the objection or this is the question. So remember it's Qul, generally it's an address to the Prophet so say O Prophet that the signs are from Allah, the signs are by Allah and I'm just a clear warner. The signs Allah produces, if he wants to give it, he'll produce it. It's not something just because you ask for it, I can show you a sign here, there's a miracle here. It's not a bag of tricks that I have. I'm not a magician, I'm not in a circus. Right? So say that to them, and then Allah says, Minun Isn't it sufficient for them that we have revealed upon you the book that is recited upon them? And in it is mercy and a reminder for the people who believe. So, the Quran is saying, I am the miracle. You're asking for all of these are the miracles. I am the miracle, and in it will be a reminder for you, and it'll be a source of mercy when you. Just start reading it. Tell people to read it, you will find mercy in there. You will feel better. You'll start getting, you'll start feeling much better from the difficulties of the way you perceive the world. The Quran will tell you how to think about it. Now, let us look at a few historical accounts, primarily from non Muslims when they read the Quran. Now, as I said, many of us who don't understand Arabic can't appreciate this this aspect of the miracle of the Quran. There are many other, um, well, we can only appreciate it through examples when somebody breaks it down for us. Unle- unless you learn Arabic, you know, you're gonna find it difficult to appreciate it directly. You, you, you know, you, you're missing something. There are many other aspects of the miracle of the Quran that you can benefit from though. But let's, let's look at Arabs, Christians, and others who were Arabic, who knew Arabic, and SubhanAllah, look at this. See, the Prophet ﷺ was sent uh, as a messenger, was appointed as a messenger. When among the Arab community at that time, you know, they were at the peak of their eloquence in their articulation, in their speech, in their writing, in their poetry and everything else as I explained to you yesterday. So the way the, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala told the Prophet ﷺ to give his da'wah is to read Quran to them to his family members, to the tribes, to the Arabs, read the Quran to them. It was the best miracle to use. I mean, of course, there were other miracles that occurred with the Prophet but the best was the Quran itself, okay? Imam Al-Baqillani, who I said is a major researcher in the field of ulum Al-Quran from the early times, he says, hadha min Now you see, what set it apart was that the Quran was absolutely new and fresh and unique and divine genre. It was a different style completely. And the reason for that, why it wasn't poetry or it did not resemble any of their writings yet, it used the same letters and words as well, is as he says, he says, if the Quran was from the category of poetry which they were used to or any other category of language any other genre of language that they were used to then they may have not been so interested in it it may not have astonished them and surprised them because they thought well it's a poem right it's a poem or whatever so the way allah subhanahu wa taala div, uh, gave the quran was in a totally unique fashion it's not a poetry but it resembles poems in some cases it's not prose but it resembles prose in some cases and so on it's it's a bayan it's preaching it's exhortation it's admonishment but it's not exactly in any of those categories right even though you may have resemblances to these things then Allah SWT gave them time to challenge it, but they were not able to. They had years and years and years to do so, even during the life of the Prophet 23 years. And Allah SWT even then said, Haven't we given you enough of a life that the person who wanted to reflect in there could have reflected by now? Right? And the warner has even come to you? But they were unable to do so. Even after the Prophet has departed from this world, they've not been able to do so. And it's because they just this is a genre that they cannot do. Now, the thing is that this would have been the easiest thing to do. Then rather than to fight the battles of Badr and Uhud, and then especially the battle of the trenches where they gathered and rallied all the tribes together. It was the biggest battle that the Arabian Peninsula by that time had ever known. And they did all of this difficulty to come and fight against the Muslims. They could have easily just sorted this out because one of the biggest miracles that the Prophet ﷺ was using to convince people to his side was the Quran. Of course, it was his personality and what he said and everything, but the Quran is the main dawa that he had. That is what he was using. All they had to do was cancel out the Quran by producing something like it, by showing a discrepancy in it, and it would have, it would have done their job for them. They would not have had to fight wars and everything like that because the da'wah was all being done through the Qur'an. That's a very, very significant point that the da'wah, most of the call to Islam was being done from the Qur'an. And that's why it was so powerful. And I think today if we do the same thing, I think we can be that powerful again, right? If every person knows enough of the Qur'an to speak to people and their their co-workers or whatever, I think it will make a big difference because that was the most powerful tool that the Prophet used. They had to just compete with it, they had to just produce something like it or show a discrepancy. They were not able to do so. In fact, the opposite happened. The Qur'an started to win over some of their biggest names, some of their biggest experts, some of their best, some of their most eloquent individuals, some of their best poets, some of their best preachers, right? So let us look at uh, some of that. There's Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal has related, um, actually, not Imam Ahmad, it's Imam Muhammad ibn Ishaq has related in his Kitabu Seerah from Utbah ibn Rabi'ah. Utbah ibn Rabi'ah is a Sayyid, was one of the leaders of the Quraysh. And one day he's sitting among the group of, uh, I think I may have uh, related this story to you already. Right? But he's sitting in a gathering of the Qurayshi leaders and the Prophet ﷺ is also there in the masjid alone. Right? And all of these Qurayshi leaders are sitting there. Right? This Utba ibn Rabi'ah says, Oh Mashar Quraysh, O oh, Congregation of Quraysh, O oh, Gathering of Quraysh, shouldn't I go to Muhammad and I speak to him like, you know, let's try another strategy. So that he can stop calling people to Islam, right? And he can stop messing about with our deen and converting people, right? is really causing a problem. Let me go and speak to him. What I'll do is I'll offer him a number of proposals. I'll give him a number of offers. And maybe he might accept one of them. You know, let me give him, let me, let's go out there, think outside the box and let's give him these offers. Whatever, you know, whatever he demands from us, we'll give in to it. So that at least he can stop doing all of this and at least our you know, religion can be maintained. Now you know when this happened? This happened after the Prophet ﷺ's uncle Hamza one of the boldest men of the Quraysh became a Muslim. And when people like that became Muslim right, they started getting really worried that it's no longer just the weak and the poor ones that we used to persecute and that we never thought much of. No, these are some of the cream of the crop right some of the boldest men of the Quraysh that are becoming Muslim so Hamza becomes Muslim right so they're getting very very worried and they they see that the companionship of the Prophet they, he's getting strong now right so he said he came to the Prophet and said Yabna Akhi oh my nephew right he called him his nephew because remember they're from a similar tribe and he says look we completely acknowledge that you have a very honorable position, you know, among the Quraysh, that you're from a very honorable family, right? Um, you have a very honorable ancestry, you know, your grandfather is Abu uh, Abdul Muttalib and so on, and you know, you're respect, uh, you're respectable in that sense. And, but you know, you've brought this really new idea. It's a, it's a really, really significant idea that is just causing a lot of issues right it's a very dangerous idea and what you've done is you've actually split up the people you split up the tribe and you've just basically intoxicated their minds and you've 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 basically messed people up you've messed up their minds you've criticized this this um, their idols their gods essentially and their religion you know you object to their religion and You've now said that even, you know, people who've passed by on this are all kafir and so on and so forth. So, you know, I've come to speak to you, so listen to me. I've got several proposals for you and you can consider every one, uh, any one of them and see which one you can accept. And, you know, maybe we can m- make a deal in this regard. Subhanallah, the Prophet wasallam very calmly said to him, "Qul ya abul Asma. Okay, say what you need to say, provide your proposals, I'm listening. So then he said, my nephew, if you are intending by this whole fiasco, by this whole movement, you're intending just to make a lot of money, then you know what? We will gather our wealth together. We will collect the wealth. We will do the fundraiser until you become the most wealthy person among us. I mean, they were ready to do that. Like, just stop doing this. They couldn't find it. They could not, they could not do anything with the Quran, Right. So this is what they said. And if you want honor and position, سودناك عَلَيْنَا We'll actually make you our leader. We have no problem with that. We'll make you our leader. Just stop doing what you're doing. And if what you're experiencing is an influence upon you that you cannot get rid of, meaning if this is shaitan or this is some kind of jinn or spirits or something like that which is affecting you, to do anything about it, we are willing to hire the best doctors for you, right? Talabna Lakal الْعَقِبَّةِ We're willing to get the best of the tabibs for you. We're willing to spend as much money behind this as possible just so that you know, we can uh, free you of this problem, free you of this devil or whatever it is. He said that because sometimes you know, people are possessed sometimes in a way that you know, we can get rid of the possession because we have people who can do that. And he said a few things like this and when he finished, the Prophet ﷺ was just sitting there listening to him, very calmly, very solemnly. And then he said to him, Afarrt, Ya Abul Walid, Father of Walid, have you finished? Like, is that all? Have you said your proposals? He said, Yes. So he says, okay. The Prophet ﷺ said, Okay, now you listen to, you listen to my proposal. You listen to me. Right. So he says, Okay, I'm willing to do that. afal I'll do that. And the Prophet ﷺ started. He said, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Hamim, Tanzilum Minar Rahmanir Rahim, Kitabu Fossilat Ayatu, Koran and Arabian Nikomi, Alamoon, Bashiro and Adira, Fa Roda Aktherum for whom lay a smarun, Wakalu Kulubuna fi akinatim Mimma taduna ele, and he carried on with the Sura. This is Surat uh, Hamim uh Sajda. This is uh, um, the first verses of Surat Fussilat. Surat Fussilat. And verses 1 to 4 of that. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi carried on reading this. And Utbah is completely silent. He's listening very carefully. And he's, got, he's sitting like this. He's got his hand behind his back. And he's just listening like this now. right? So exactly, I'm not sure it was like, He's just listening like that, with his hands behind his back. Right? And the Prophet finished, and there's a sajda in the verse. I don't want to read it for you, but there's a sajda, there's a there's a verse of prostration in this surah. Right? And the Prophet recited until there, and then the Prophet prostrated. Amazing. Right? The Prophet prostrated. And then he said, he said, God samit taya abil walid ma Abu al-Walid, you've heard what you've just heard, you've heard it, now I leave you with it. That, this is just so bold. He listens to his proposals first, then the Prophet says, Anymore? He says, No. He says, Okay, now you listen to me. He recites the Surah to Fussilat, and then after that he says, You've heard it, now I leave you with that. What happened? Utbah gets up, right? Utbah ibn Rabia, you know, it's the same person, he gets up to go back to his people. And they're watching him and they see that he's different. Right? The way he's coming back, he's just completely changed. And they start saying, by Allah, Abu Waleed is coming back to you in a totally different way to the way he left. You know that boldness which he went for that I'm going to be confident to offer him these um you know th- th- this uh, these proposals and so on he's coming back differently he's not he's no longer how he was so he came back and he sat down and he said no they actually said what happened Abu walid what happened he said well what happened is that i just heard i've just heard some words now this may be the first time he's he- hearing the quran directly right he says i've just heard some words Wallahi ma I've never, never heard words like this. And remember, Waleed actually was one of their professionals, one of their experts in Arabic. He was known for his eloquence. He said, I've just never heard anything like this. Wallahi ma huwa wala uh, wala wala bil-kahana. By Allah, it is what I just heard is not magic. It is not poetry. And it's not soothsaying. Ya Quraysh, ati'uni li. And he said, O oh, congregation of Quraysh, O oh, Quraysh leaders, etc., just obey me in this regard. Like, just be with me in this regard and leave this matter to me. And my suggestion is, He says, leave this guy alone. Leave him alone. Instead, Just, Just ignore him. Just separate him. Just ignore him. Don't have anything to do with him. Because by Allah, for what he says those words that he's proclaiming there's going to be a very special position and a very special state for that there's going to come a time you know there's going to be something special about what he says and he's basically saying leave him alone and if the rest of the arabs attack him then that's fine you've then been sufficed right without you having had to do anything you know they'll take care of him they'll they'll finish him off But if he overcomes the Arabs, right, now what he's trying to say is that leave him alone, leave him alone. Then after if he gets killed, fine, you know, you've gotten rid of him. If he does not get killed, then because you're his tribe and so on, he is going to supersede them, the rest of the Arabs. And that means you can actually benefit from this. Because you're his tribe. So al if he dominates upon the rest of the Arab tribes then then whatever he achieves by that will be also your achievement. his respect and honor there will be your respect because you're his family, بيه, and then you know you'll get more fortune out of that. There's nothing you can do. Just leave him. right? Either he'll be killed or he'll dominate, and then you can just um, share in the riches. And they just around him, and they said Sahara, Wallahi, Saharak, Wallahi, they, he's, he's, he's bewitched you. He's cast a spell over you, Abul Walid, by his tongue, he's cast a spell over you, you're messed up. Kala, hada ra'i. He says, look, this is my opinion, right, about this. Fasna'u ma badalakum. You do then whatever you want, but this is my opinion about it. That was in his moment of sincerity, in a moment of seriousness, solemn, in his solemn moment, that he said this exactly as it was you see this um the story continues but this is what the issue was with them that they could not attack this quran because it was just they knew what good language was and it just bowled them over and so now on another occasion what's going on now is that there's going to be the hajj season now in the hajj season all the different tribes the people from there come for the Hajj and their conversion to Makkah, Mukarrama, becomes the central location. Now what they're worried about is that the Prophet ﷺ during that season is going to be reading Quran to the people. Okay? Now remember as I told you the Quran is the miracle that the Prophet ﷺ has been told and instructed to use for his da'wah. And that's his main tool of the da'wah. Right? And he needs to become our main tool of da'wah. Right? So they're worried that he's going to start reading Quran to them and people are going to start getting affected by this. So they're deciding, what shall we do? How shall we stop other people from becoming affected by the Prophet? ﷺ? So they said all sorts of things that what story shall we spread? What rumor shall we put out there about uh, about the Quran and so on? Some said poet. Some said soothsayer. Some said insane, just an insane man with his ramblings. Another said a magician. Now again, this Walid ibn al-Mughira is there. In the previous one, it was Utbah. right? Now there's a, this is another one, Walid ibn al-Mughira. I think I've mentioned his story to you, I think before. Right? This Walid ibn al-Mughira is there. Now Walid ibn al-Mughira is another expert. He is Khalid bin Walid's father. Okay, this is Walid bin al-Mughira. He's Khalid bin Walid's father. He is rejecting all of their proposals, right? With and showing them why. What they're saying is completely wrong that he's not a poet he's not a magician it can't be because this these words don't look like that they don't resemble that words of a poet or a magician or soothsay or whatever and then he said that famous statement which i related this story to you before said that no his words have a sweetness about them they are very pleasant and very powerful and they're just ripe for their picking and he said look you can say any of this stuff to people but eventually, if they listen, they're going to know that you're just making stuff up because it's so powerful. Now, think about this as a miracle. It's so powerful that even though you've told them it's all wrong and it's all bad and it's this, they're going to see through it straight away. It's just a different thing. It's too powerful. But you see, he did not want to believe. He was messed up as well. But he came up with a new idea. He said the best thing that you can actually say, the the, the cleverest thing that you can get you out of this, the slyest thing you can do, is say he's a magician. And through his magic, he's able to separate between families. He's splitting families up because some are going his way and so on. Just say that. He's splitting up between a man and his brother, between tribes and families, a man and his wife, and a man and the rest of his tribe. That's what you're going to say. That And that, you know, for the Arabs of that time, your own family was so important for you. You would assist your own family members even if they were wrong they would treat a woman of their tribe better sometimes than the wife that they married of another tribe so tribal affinity nationalism to a certain degree was very strong right their patriotism their racism was very very strong in that regard so if you tell people and that was among the arabs in general the very tribal community if you tell somebody that this guy is breaking the tribe up that's a major problem because that people did not take to that very, very well. So he said, use that idea instead. But obviously, that wasn't going to affect them. That wasn't going to affect people. You know That wasn't enough. So the Prophet would read. So, you know what they started saying? As Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran as well, Allah has recorded what they said. They started telling one another. the the disbelievers, they started saying that don't listen to this Qur'an, rather do lagwa in there, which means just do banter, Uh, make noise during its recitation so that maybe you can dominate and you can remain upper uh, on the upper level. So when the Qur'an is being re place, places, go there and make lots of noise so that the passers by, the newcomers, the other tribes who are freshly you know, visiting Makkah uh, Karrama and who are listening to the Qur'an cannot hear what he says. That's what they try to do. They try to drown him out. And that's what people do nowadays as well. They try to drown you out. You know, I've seen a number of re- you know, talk shows online where the person is trying to say it, but they drown you out. right? So this is exactly what, they, this is what exactly humans do and that's what they were doing. So whenever the Prophet would recite, they would recite, they would, they would start making noise, right? So that people couldn't hear the Quran properly because of all the shouts and shrieks and the capping and all the rest of it. These were the ploys they did. This was what they tried to do. Now, I'll give you a few other examples. I'm, I'm really taking care, understanding this because I want you to understand this from history and you can check up all of this information, right? This is not something, this has been reported down you know, through authentic sources. Now, among the other experts, I mean, the ones that we just discussed, they were experts, but they were still enemy and they did not become Muslim. Those who actually became Muslim from the experts, there were many of them. So there's Labid ibn Rabi'a al amidi He became a very good Muslim. Then you had Ka'b ibn Zuhayr, and I've mentioned his story in a few places. I don't have the time to mention his story. He was an arch enemy and he, you know, wasn't going to come to Islam and everything but eventually he just found that life is really really tough so he came and he sought forgiveness he thought he'd never be forgiven because he used to say bad things about the Prophet but the Prophet actually forgave him and gave him an honor by giving him his, uh, his tunic and mashallah that tunic seems to still exist in Turkey today in the Topkapi Palace. Right after all of those years. Then you had Hassan ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu who was a major poet of the time. And there were many others who became Muslim as well. All of this shows that the Quran is a miracle that it literally took their best who appreciated what he did. There's the story of uh, Umar radiallahu anhu. I've said it many times in different lectures. Umar radiallahu anhu when he was uh, he he was affected by two surahs. One was Suratul Haqqa. Right he just but that did, he didn't become Muslim then, that just gave him the seed of Islam. And then after that, the second verses that he listened to were at his sister's house. right? When he went and beat her up, when he heard that she'd become Muslim. And then he said, okay, fine. After he saw her bloody state, he got some mercy in his heart. He said, okay, show me what you've been reading. So they pulled out some papers and on there it was Taha. The, the, the Surah Taha was written on there and that uh, took him over then you have the story which is related by imam muslim in his sahih about abu dharr radiallahu anhu's brother abu dharr radiallahu anhu he sends his brother his name his name was unais right his brother's name was unais and uh, he came to makkah because they heard that there's some man in makkah Mukarramah, claiming these things right because the news was spreading so unais was uh, unais came to makkah Mukarramah, and he you know took stock of the situation and then he came back and he said to his brother Abu Dhar dinik, right? Yes, uh, Abu Dhar looks like he was already convinced so his brother says I came back from Makkah and I've met this person who seems to be on a similar religion to yours who claims that he is uh, that Allah has sent him as a prophet as a messenger remember they believed in Allah right they believed in, but they just couldn't believe that a person like them could be sent as a prophet right so I said, Abu Allah said, what are people saying about him? You know, what are people saying about him? So um, people are saying that he's a poet. That's the general, he's just a poet, like he's a wonderful poet. Or he's a soothsayer. and some are saying that he's a magician. Now, remember, one thing was that Unais was actually a poet, an expert pro- poet. So Unais said, that's what people are saying. But he says, Unay says, look, I've heard the speech of Sufsayers. This is not of their speech. And I have tried to place his words on the different scales of poetry. And it is not appropriate for anybody. Nobody can claim later that this is poetry. I know my poetry. This is not poetry. This guy is not a poet. Then he said, Wallahi wa By Allah, He is right, and all of those who are saying that He's a poet and so on, they're all wrong and they're liars. Now this is a witness from somebody who is not a Muslim. Then we've got the story of Jubayr ibn Mut'im and how his heart turned to Islam. Once he listened to the Surah kitabim right, and that was being recited in Salatul Maghrib. So Imam Bukhari relates this in his Sahih from his son, right, Muhammad ibn Jubayr, that his father said, I heard the Prophet ﷺ reciting Surah At-Tur in Maghrib, and that is when the Islam crept into my heart. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the Quran in itself was so powerful. That is the miracle. It is the word of Allah that, okay, the Prophet ﷺ and his personality and his demeanor and his, counselling and the way he spoke to people and his compassion and his mercy and so on, that was another aspect there but the Qur'an in itself had so much power and the fact that the Prophet was reciting it makes it even greater but so many people have come to Islam through the Qur'an both at that time and even now people come to Islam without understanding Arabic just the translation of the Qur'an. We've got, uh, you know this is taking longer than I thought but this is really interesting, um, I'm going to mention to you just about one person. Um, well, let me just mention to you two stories. I know we've gone a bit over time. Uh, two or three stories about more recent phenomena the last hundred years. Christian experts or exp- Arab experts who are not Muslim. right? Some of them became Muslim. Some of them did not become Muslim. But they all expressed about the Quran. So, for example, you've got this guy called Dumit, I think he was Lebanese all right and he is considered uh, he's uh, he's considered to be one of the biggest arabic literature scholars l- sc- scholars of arabic literature right being an arab himself but he's christian his name is al ustad jabar dumit right and uh, he used to actually teach uh, balagh eloquence right of arabic language at the american university right and he's got a book called al khawatir al hisan he he himself says um, he he had to confess how great the Qur'an is from an Arabic perspective. Rafi says about this, um, regarding the ijaz of the Qur'an from another person, another one of the literature scholars of Arabic, whose name is Ibrahim Al-Yazji, Ibrahim Al-Yazji, who is a Lebanese Christian philosopher, poet and journalist. I mean, if you do a search online, you'll find him, Ibrahim Al-Yazji, Right, he's a Lebanese Christian philosopher, poet, journalist, and a number of other things, right? And he's considered to be one of the best of the Arabic scholars that you know of recent times. So he's one of the best Christian Arab scholars. Let's put it that way. He says at the beginning of his book called Najat al-Raids, right? Uh, he says the same thing about the balagha of the Quran that it is amazing. And then Rafi'i, who's reporting some of this stuff, he says, I asked another of their great um, historical poets, actually, right? Um, This uh, Khalil Mitran. His name is Khalil Khalil Mitran. They're all Arabs, right? But they're non Muslim, right? And he said, We don't know of any poet that can actually compare. We don't know of any poet that is similar to Khalil Mitran, right, of his level. But even Khalil Mitran has basically said the same thing that his teacher Ibrahim Al Yazji said. So he was a student of this Ibrahim Al Yazji, but they were both just completely overtaken by the Quran. And he said, after that, for any Arab who wants to read the Quran, you know, as long as he's got a fair, just mind, right, and an Intelligence and a taste for Arabic, they will understand that this is what it is. Likewise, there's another. There was another contemporary person who may have died now. I think his name was Nicholas Hanna. Nicholas Hanna, right? Um, he recited the Quran, so he actually started reciting the Quran. Right? He was not a Muslim, and it just pulled him in, right? And it took over him, and mashallah, he became a Muslim. He became a Muslim. And he actually wrote this huge poem. I mean, he's he's a celebrated Arabic author. He wrote this huge poem in which he calls min wahil Quran from the revelations of the Quran. You can check this online. You just do a search for min wahil Quran from uh, Nikola Hana, right? Um, and at the beginning, I mean, I don't want to read this whole poem to you, but it's quite amazing. He says, "Quratul Quran f'adhalani." I read the Quran and it bowled me over. What the bihi بِهِ فَفَتَّنَنِي It basically just... فَتَّنَنِي um, means it just amazed me, it just took me, it just tested me in every way. ثُمَّ أَعَدْتُ Then I read it again. فَآمَنتُ amantu i became a muslim i i began to i became a believer in the the, the mighty divine qur'an wa مَنْ and also with the messenger who carried the qur'an النبي العربي الكريم karim as far as allah is concerned فَمِنْ imani if it comes when it comes to allah this is a really interesting idea. He says, "Then from my Christian heritage, I inherited his understanding. I inherited an understanding of him. So I knew about Allah before. But wabil furqani, al iman. But it's through the Quran that this iman in Allah that I already had from Christianity has now become magnified." How can I not become a believer when the miracle of the Quran is right in front of me? I witness it and I feel it every moment. it is a miracle. لا but not like any of the other miracles of the prophets. معجزة إلهية، إلهية This is the beautiful part. I think I have to, I have to translate this. He says. It is a divine miracle which is enduring forever, which indicates upon itself by itself. It calls to itself by itself. It doesn't have. It has no need for anybody to speak about it to you or to give you glad tidings from it. You read it yourself. It will speak for itself. He used to also say. He says, How many have other religions, past religions, right, have had a need for ulama and for givers of glad tidings and for proofs and all of these other things to encourage people to adhere to that religion? Because what they had in front of them in all of those religions was not something that could bowl you over and could convince you, right? Amal Islam, as far as Islam is concerned, فقد غني عن كل bil بالقرآن. It it needs none of those kind of other miracles or proofs or whatever because of the Quran. The Quran is everything, and then he says, مؤلمين مؤلمين because the Quran is the most knowledgeable teacher. It is the most guided of those that can give glad tidings. Wa wa astaqush shahidin. It is the truest witness. Wa ablaquh hujjah and the most far-reaching proof. Wa admaguh burhan. Same thing. Hu al mu'ajaza al khaliha, khuluha al wahid al azali, al manzura al mahsusa fi kull zaman. It is the enduring, continuous miracle that you can access and you can perceive in every time, every century. Wa min imani al amik. This is and it is based on this deep faith of mine that I have produced this poetry. Right. And then he produces his poem, which I'm not gonna I mean, I can read for you, but I'm not gonna translate it. He says, Yakuluna ma ayatuhu dalla sayuhum wa ayatu lay set to addu e kafa mujizul forkani lilin nasi ayatan, ala wa sama, kan najmi laysa yura mu, fakullu balidin indahu, thalla samitan, ka 'ala alal afwahi surra kima mu, wa sha ilahul arshi bin nasi rahmatan wa inyatalasha hikduhum wahisamu, fafarra. بَيْنَ لَمْ يَشُبْهُ That's his poetry and people have celebrated this. So this is proof from others who are bowled over. Just give the Quran a chance and convey the Quran to others. Let them give Quran a chance and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from this. May Allah allow us to become true scholars. Sorry, I got a bit carried away, right? I know we've taken about... Uh, over 10 minutes extra but inshallah it's worth it. It's speaking about the Quran and what better to do in Ramadan than to discuss the Quran, subhanAllah. Hopefully that has invigorated your faith and more so, I mean you already had faith but inshallah, what is done for us is it's inspired you to learn more about the Quran. These are others, right, non-Muslims and others who are mesmerized by the Quran, who are completely elated, who are completely beautified. I mean why not us? Why not us? So, May Allah help, may Allah help. As I said, while you uh, do these classes, if you've got the time, you should also listen to the 30-day tafsir. you know, the uh, at least one Juz a day, inshallah. Or if you've not done so, then you should do that later. And uh, I think the other thing is, we need to get serious about our faith. Mashallah, Rayyan Institute has lots of courses and it's completely free for this month. So sign up and inshallah start your educational journey as well about the quran and the related sciences and you learn the other sciences as well it's got short short courses to be taken at your you know convenience and inshallah it will help our journey for the quran so we can be closer to allah wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin please pray for us in this ramadan inshallah i will pray for you that allah bless you all and protect you and make us closer to him than we've ever been before and the quran wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh JazakAllah khair for listening. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. JazakAllah khair and Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh.